Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks, to this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I'm super excited to share with you today. My guest is Miles Anderson, who is the founder and CEO of Bright Local. Miles, how's it going today? Hi, Anthony. Thank you very much uh, for having me on uh, the podcast today. Uh, as your listeners will probably understand, I'm from the UK, from my accent. So we're nearing the end of the day. It's been a relatively long day, relatively a long week, which I'm sure we'll kind of get on to. But uh, as all things stand, pretty good. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here, bookending us at the end of your day. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what Bright Local is and what they do and, and how they help uh, organizations around the world? Yeah, fantastic. So Bright Local is a UK-based company. Uh, I'm the, the founder and CEO. We are a software organization. We provide marketing, analytics, software, and services, primarily to marketeers who work as consultants or in marketing agencies or inside small businesses or brands that have an internal marketing team. And they predominantly work around local marketing. So we typically work with businesses that attract customers from a local area. Now, that could be a physical business like, uh, say, a restaurant uh, or a shop or a cafe where customers will come to the business. It could be a place where a business, they come to you, plumbers, gardeners, construction work, anything like that, or it could be professional services, you know, business consultants, lawyers, solicitors, et cetera. And we essentially help them understand how their local marketing performance is going on, primarily looking at channels like Google Local, Google Maps, Apple Maps, those local platforms that are real hubs for finding local audiences and new customers for your business. We help them understand the visibility, how to improve the visibility, and essentially attract new customers. We also provide some services that take care of some of the heavy lifting. We are a UK-based business, but actually a majority of our customers in the US. So around 85, 85% of our customers are based in the US. If you include Canada, it's about 90%. We actually don't have an office in the US, so we've managed to grow an enormous audience over there you know, internationally. We're up to around 200 people now. We've been going since 2009. We've got an office in the UK, office in the Philippines, and we have an office in, in the Ukraine. And we're also an independent bootstrap business. So we don't have any outside investment. We've just grown with a vision of long-term profitable growth. And we've been reinvesting the profits to grow the business pretty much for the last 10 years at around 20% a year. And we're up to around $11 million in annual revenue now. That's amazing. Bootstrapped, uh, helping yeah. local businesses and, and growing to 200 employees around the world. Like that's that's a impressive, b and super cool. And uh, as a marketer or marketeer by trade, uh, I know how big local search is. And so uh, you're providing a very valuable service and at scale. So not just a small agency. So that's really cool. As you've gone through, grown through these challenges as a business owner, what are like two or three of the big kind of learnings, aha, big challenges that you've had to face as you grow from bootstrap small business to over 200 employees worldwide? Oh, that's a very good question. The biggest piece for me as a leader of a business of, of this size is how much of a learning journey I've had to go on personally to get here. So for a bit of background, prior to starting Bright Local in 2009, I just worked with other organizations. I'd been 
a, a paid employed person working generally in business development within media organizations. I think the biggest team I ever had under me in that time was two people. And so when I arrived and set up Bright Local, I set up literally from my kitchen table with my business partner, Ed, who's our chief technology officer, really with a, with a, with a hope and a prayer that it, that it would get somewhere, that, our, that our, our idea had legs and we could we could build it. We weren't able to raise any capital at the time, mainly because you know, we had a very little track record or experience in, in the field, no track record of running businesses, not a huge amount of track record in the industry in terms of knowledge. And so you know, no one was prepared to take a punt on us. I probably think you know, had I been on the other side of the table hearing a pitch from me, I probably wouldn't have paid any money with us as well. So uh, it doesn't sort of surprise me. But in that time, as we've grown, you know, consistently over the last 10 years, I've had to almost reskill myself uh, in terms of my leadership capacity, capabilities and understanding what my role requires sort of every six months. And sometimes I've done that through doing formal leadership training. I've just also read an awful lot of books, consumed as many ideas and notions and, and, and tactics and strategy sort of directions from a, a huge range of books and pick, picked out the pieces I liked, you know, added them to my kind of leadership arsenal and then have sort of developed my own style. But I think that learning journey has been absolutely crucial and critical. I would never, and it would never have got to this size had I not been willing to do that. And sometimes, you know, I had to get dragged kicking and screaming to, you know, to, to do, do another round of learning uh, and it can be kind of pretty exhausting. But in um, in all in all, I've kind of I love the journey. So that's probably one thing I had to do. A second big step, which is when we got to probably around 120 people, is to put in place a really really good leadership team around me. Up until that time, I had I was too actively involved in the operations of all areas of the business. And having started the business from day one, I said at a kind of kitchen table, I did everything. So back in the early days, I would, you know, I'd be, you know, marketing in the morning, I'd be saying to customers in the afternoon, I'd be designing aspects of our tool in the evening, and then I'd be talking to and pitching to developers and then then QAing the software uh, all, in, all in one day. So a huge, huge breadth of roles that I'd have to do. Uh, not that I did all of them very well, to be really honest. I was, you know, a real jack of all trades. And now that we've got a bigger team, specialists in these departments, I really see how bad I was at so many of these roles and how delighted I am to have sort of specialists in place. But essentially, I had a finger in, in, in all the pies of the sort of business. And then having to extract myself from that took, you know, took a really a sort of conscientious move on my part. But the thing that made it possible was putting in place a leadership team that I could entrust and then actually upskilling them through a lot of leadership training and coaching so that I could really, really give them the space and time to do that. And actually, we did that as a leadership team, a whole year's worth of training, a sort of modular course that lasted over, over, over 12 months. And that was really transformative, actually, and absolutely worth the investment to get there. Because now my, my time is, is split in, in three ways. You know, I, essentially, all the operational stuff I entrust to, to team members. You know, we actually try and push decision making down through the organisation so decisions get made at every level, get made quickly, so we can we can move we can move quickly as a business. I now spend around half my time just thinking and working on the culture of the organisation. I spend another quarter of it sort of working with the leadership team and kind of focusing on execution of the strategy that we have. And then the sort of final quarter is spent on the strategy and, and product development and ensuring that I'm staying close to that that side of the business because it's so key. But I no longer really have much involvement in customer service and sales and, and marketing. I understand what's going on in those areas, but I've got great people who know how to make the right decisions with the right principles at heart, uh, and I give them full autonomy, autonomy to do that. So having a leadership team, enabling them through coaching, training, as well as giving them the autonomy to make decisions has been a huge, 
enabler for me as a CEO to focus on the areas where I can really add value. And I think the third piece is establishing a clear culture within the business, a culture that we took, took, took me a bit of time to articulate the culture uh, in a specific set of words. I always knew what I wanted to create within the business. And actually, that's one of the reasons why I started the business and I back in the early days is that we'd never found places where we wanted to work, where we felt truly appreciated, that were genuine meritocracies and where we could be ourselves and be, you know, and, and just do good work and be applauded for that and be be looked after and supported. So we wanted to create an organisation that would essentially provide the best working experience possible for team members, i.e. the thing that we felt that we lacked in our our early careers. And that was what we hold at the core of core of our culture. Uh, and so once we kind of knew that and once we were able to to, to kind of articulate it, we've been able to you know, use that in many ways to bring in the right type of people into the business, people that share our values and our beliefs, people that are going to cherish our culture and be the guardians of it as much as I am and as much as Ed is. And so when I talk about pushing decision-making down through the business and getting people to make decisions in the right way, having that culture in place that everyone understands, and not just understands, but cherishes and supports, means that when they're having their own meetings and they're deciding which decision to make, they understand how to make the decision based on the very strong culture uh, that we've got that they, that they are a solid part of. Yeah, absolutely. So for everybody listening at home, Miles just distilled 11 years of learning into about six minutes or so. So it, looking backwards, it's also blatantly obvious and clear, like build yourself up over time so that you can have greater capacity, put people in place so that they can take on some of that capacity. And then you have to both go on that journey of development together. And so you have the benefit of 11 years of wisdom to look at where you're at and saying, hey, like, that's basically the repeatable process, the repeatable step. It's easier said than done. And it's sometimes hard to see when you're in it. I would probably say I have the benefit of 11 years of mistakes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, I got that. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff is learned, is learned, learned the harsh way by, you know, by either getting it wrong slightly or getting it wrong in sort of significant ways. Then having the, um, the, the consciousness to recognize that and also having a bit of the humility and the vulnerableness, vulnerability rather, to do admit to it and allow others others to see that vulnerability and also to help you know allowing other people in to help is a huge part of that and also telling you know as I said I've you know I had two people under me in my last in my last role the biggest team I ever had and I and now I have two hundred and the best way that I've learned to, to to kind of cope with that is to tell people I don't have all the answers in fact I barely have any of the answers so you have to come up with the answers or help me realize what what the answer is and by letting people in letting them take control you give them huge amounts of job satisfaction huge amounts of, of intrinsic motivation that they bring to work every day and you also relieve yourself of the pressure uh, of being the one that has to have a you know a, a grip on all all parts of the business and put business at all times which is which is impossible to grow Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to record a video today about, you know, how your team needs to be better than you. And because it's really like that becomes ultimately the bottleneck to the business. But one of the things that I that I really love about what you shared about the vulnerability and being okay with making mistakes is having the culture of being a continuous improvement, for lack of a better word, organization, one that embraces learning and development is doesn't show up with the attitude like I'm bad, therefore I need to fix this, is I'm actually good. And that's why I need to take development to continually improve so that we can grow, grow as a team. So you need to be humble because if you're not humble or coachable, then it makes it impossible for any of that learning to not only make it through the leadership team, but to cascade throughout the organization. And, and that's, you know, your ability to open those doors, I imagine, uh, contributed to your ability to grow so quickly, so successfully, and so scalably across geographies. Fair to say? It's almost it's almost the, the soul the sole piece. It's, it's the bit that drives everything else. You can have a great, clear strategy. You know, you can have brilliantly smart people in different areas of the business. But if you're not giving them the ability to contribute 100% all the time, you know, by giving them the autonomy to make decisions, giving them the ability to speak up, giving them the ability to say, look, I made a mistake, but actually I'm going to fix it by doing X, Y, and Z. You know, I give them the room to, to be truly accountable. You never get the best out of them. You never get the best out of, out of your strategy. You know, you're always operating at, you know, 70, 80% rather than hundred percent in terms of, you know, making the most of the resources, the resources you've got. So for me, it's been the biggest enabler as, as a leader is, is letting go and also being humble enough to to kind of role model that vulnerability to say, look, I made a mistake. You know, I screwed up here, and this is what I did wrong. You know, I'm telling you this because a, when you screw up, I'd much rather know about it. You know, so don't let's not be you know hiding, lying, and faking stuff here. Uh, and also, I need your help. You know, I need you to help me get this right and put this right. So you know, this is the issue. Help me solve it. And as we all know, you know, if you can harness the power of 200 brains, you've got a much better chance of coming up with the right answers than just trying to keep it within yourself or, or, a, or a small group. And there are some people that I think find that hard to kind of open up because I think there's that sort of figure of leadership or that idea of leadership as being incredibly strong and having all the answers and being very forthright. And there are times when that's important. There's times where you need to be really clear. You need to have a clear strategy and talk about what that is in very clear and direct terms. And you need to try and have the answers to people. But often getting to that point requires collaboration, requires allowing others to help you get answers to those. And I think if you if you could find the balance of, you know, being strong when you need to be strong and determined pretty much all the time with being vulnerable and allowing others to help, you just maximize the contribution that everyone in the business can bring. Yeah, absolutely. In the last kind of 10 minutes or so, one of the things that you touched on is, you know, supporting people as themselves. And so we kind of talked about this in the pre-roll. And, you know, I think it's important to talk about that there are the employees and then the human beings that make up those employees and recognizing that they are not separate. They are, in fact, the same and the past two years and most notably the past kind of two weeks has really highlighted the, the kind of challenges that individuals can face within their business. So you've got workers around the world and some of them are dealing with challenges right now. Uh, I don't know how to ask us in any other way, like how, how, you know, you mentioned it was challenging. What are some of the things that you're learning as a CEO through that? And then if you have any information or context you want to share about the employees that are yeah, in Ukraine yeah, right sure. now. Yeah. I, I did. Um, as I, as you just mentioned, I mentioned earlier, we have a team in Ukraine around 35 software developers uh, located in Kiev 
and I'm sure as everyone will be aware, Ukraine is at war with Russia. There is a you know an unjust and unfair invasion of Ukraine at the moment. And my team, who have a lot of them have been with the company many many years, I've worked with developers and software engineers in Ukraine for around ten years. I've been to Kiev over a dozen times, and you know met the people there. I've socialized with them. I've met many of their families. They are you know they're not just team members. You know they're friends. They're allies. They're they are part of our bright local family, and it's very very hard to see what they're going through at the moment. I mean, the the the, the speed of the, the kind of Russian advance and the speed at which the situation has changed is phenomenal. So a week ago, you know, some of them were on our annual team ski trip. Uh, and, you know, less than a week later, they're fleeing their homes, they're leaving everything they know behind, and they are trying to find safe spaces in, in Western Ukraine or get across the border into, into the EU, into places like Poland and, and, and Romania. So for me, absolutely, this is probably the hardest challenge by a long way that I've ever had to face as a, as a as a boss, as someone who has a responsibility for looking after people in my care, you know, people who are in my charge, in my team members. And what, what I find interesting about it is it's very easy to do things in good times. It's very easy to, it's, a bit easy, it's quite easy to be a good boss in good times because, you know, there's, there's less stress and less, and less pressure. For us as a culture, our culture is very much about people. It's very much about caring personally and supporting people. And right now, we're under immense pressure to provide as much care as, as we can do. And two things I want to say. One is we're absolutely doing that. And that's our number one priority is, is to try and support the team there as much as possible. We've found some safe houses for them where they've managed to get to, where they are out of immediate harm's way. They've taken their families, they've taken their parents. You know, we're looking for onward transport into Europe for them. So the conversations that I'm now having are not about strategy and Q2 objectives and you know, you know, our kind of marketing initiatives. It's about how do we get them food and money? How can we possibly get them out of country? If they can't leave, can their families leave? And what can we do to give them safe passage to safe, to safe places? Uh, it's an enormous sort of turnaround. I think if I if I switch off my emotions and my emotions are running pretty high at the moment because I know these people personally, someone that worked for me for eight years. So I've, you know, I know their families. For me as a business owner, this is an ultimate test of how true we are to our culture. You know, I can say we care personally about people, but do my actions really follow up with that? So in many ways, I have people in the business look at me going, you've told us that you care about us. You told us that you'll support us. You told us that, you know, we, we bring our whole selves to work. So how do you respond in this case? So actually, this is a, this is a chance for me as a business owner to show my deep humanitarian side, but also show that all the stuff I've talked about in terms of caring personally, I absolutely stand by, by switching ourselves 100% focus on you know, not trying to get the team to work. The team miraculously are working from the places that, that, that they've managed to kind of get to, not all the time, but they need a bit of a distraction from, from what's going on. And actually work provides an element of that uh, element of that sort of distraction. But also it shows to, shows to the rest of the business that actually, you know, our rhetoric around caring personally about looking after people, we stand by in the bad times as well as in the good times. And I think that's a key tenant of, of leadership and of growing a culture. It's about... It's about truthfulness, trustworthiness, and consistency. And you actually, have, and if you start, if you break any of those three things, then you undermine what what people believe the company is about. And you know, and they'll start to believe you less and less. They'll start to to contribute less. They'll start to you know, they'll work a little bit less less hard. They might start to look around at other organisations. So, I believe as a leader, constantly role modelling good leadership skills and constantly role modeling your own culture. Uh, and it's important to do that in the most testing times uh, as much as it is in the, in the, in the easy and good times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I still appreciate that. Um, it's, 
I don't think there's ever a truer example that I've heard, let alone on this show or in real life of, of really having to, it's not even about putting your culture to the test. It's just like, this is like real life. Like no, no bullshit as much as I want to be kind of motivational and all that other stuff. It's not about that. There's, you know, human lives at risks and, and, you know, as a business owner, people put their livelihoods in your care uh, on some days. It's just their, it's their, just their mental health and their, you know, financial ability to pay their bills. And, and today it's about, you know, families and history and, and sovereignty and just so much stuff. So I just, I, I really appreciate you being open and honest and sharing your experience with us today. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I, I wish everything good for your people and of course, everybody affected, but uh, you know, it's, it's tough. And, and I just thank you for being here. And I, and I really hope everything works out uh, for the best for you and your people. Where can people learn more about uh, what you're doing? And maybe if they want to support um, your team members or anybody in the Ukraine, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, that's that's uh, very kind, and thanks thanks for being so sort of sensitive and appreciative of uh, of the sort of situation. So, I guess if you want to support, obviously, what's kind of going on in Ukraine, I mean, I would say that our team members have, amongst the whole population of Ukraine, are probably pretty well supported right now because of, of what we're doing for them. Whereas there are vast swathes of the population that have less support. So there's places like the Red Cross. There are a huge number of charities that are starting up. You know, Ukraine appeals for for cash and supplies. So. Please consider donating to, to, to one of those. Obviously, check that to make sure it's a good, bona fide, genuine sort of charity that is up and running. Because some charities, sadly, are not able to function in the current current crisis. But any support and aid that can be given to Ukraine uh, is hugely appreciated. If you'd like to know more about Bright Local, uh, you can just go to brightlocal.com. Uh, as I said earlier, we also have an academy on there. So if you're interested in understanding about local marketing and learning it. We have a free academy. It's got seven or eight courses that pretty much tell you everything you need to know about how to succeed in local search marketing. If you want to know, you know, potentially kind of work with Bright Local, we have a free trial. You can sign, you can use the software. We also have a really consultative sales team. You can book yourself in for a sales call and a demo introduction uh, on there as well. If you want to connect with me personally, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Miles Anderson. Miles is spelled M-Y-L-E-S, so a little bit unusual. Uh, And if you want to email me directly, it's Miles, M-Y-L-E-S, at brightlocal.com. Awesome, Miles. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for your openness. And again, all the best to, uh, to you, your family, and your team. Okay. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Folks, my guest today, Miles Anderson, who is the founder and CEO of Bright Local. Check out uh, his team, check out what he's doing and, uh, you know, just check in on your people. They might not be affected directly by what's going on, but, you know, we're all in this mess together. And so some more than others. So really just, you know, be a great leader, support them and then help them get to that next level. So appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening, appreciate your contribution, whatever you do in your community today. So this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thanks for watching. And until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. If you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful, and we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. Course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos, 
Plus, you can use the code PODCAST for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.